This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus. I am sitting with Kellyanne Woods at her home. Thank you for inviting me today. You're welcome. Um, we, we have lots to discuss, I we hear, do. in terms of district and rezoning. But before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, mm. it's because you are kind of affected by the rezoning, but you own a business called Gillespie's here in Squamish. I do. Gillespie's Fine Spirits. And it's kind of over time evolved into three businesses, really. It's Gillespie's Fine Spirits, which is the distillery, and then Booze Witch Brands, which is the non-alcoholic component. And we just want a gold medal for the Booze Witch line and also the G-Spot the Squamish G-Spot has the cocktail bar so even though they started out as one business the diversification happened really naturally out of that one business grew these three arms but they've become three very different businesses How long have you been open? Like when you opened Gillespie's how long has yeah, it been? We opened five years ago So that's quite a vast expansion within the five years Yeah You know the first question I would ask is why would you choose Squamish for your base of operations and since you've grown so fast in five years I guess that's my answer. Yeah. So there's a couple there's a couple reasons behind that. When 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 we set out to open the business, we were going to be in Vancouver. And then at the time you'd go to the city of Vancouver and they gave you a piece of paper. It's about eight years ago. And the piece of paper said some of the requirements of the building code might be difficult to comply with. What they should have said was impossible. Because Mm -hmm. distilleries, the building codes haven't been rewritten to my knowledge since 1941. So in the building codes, a distillery is categorized as an F2. So an F2 is, you know, like a dynamite factory. (laughs) Nice. So basically, you're looked at as this massive plant that's like making... A ticking time bomb. The ticking time bomb, exactly. So that was kind of the case in the 1940s when there was this huge distillery called United Distillers and it stood in Marple and it took up five city blocks... Literally five city blocks. So at the time, if you look at an operation like that, and you're like, sure, that is a massive, massive factory. Fast forward, what is it, almost 70 years, Mm -hmm. distilleries are quite different now. I mean, if you go to Kentucky and if you go, like, if you go to the places where, like, there are massive distilleries. Well, the traditions, they carry on the traditions of lore. Exactly. Of yore yore and lore. And (laughs) it's like hundreds of years, some of these, and they've grown to these huge, huge capacities. And, but the craft distilling movement is quite different. So we had major issues with the city of Vancouver, even after having rented a place and so on and so forth. We were given the wrong information and, you know, I've been through all this bureaucratic stuff and it's just, uh, it's mind boggling sometimes the way that bureaucracy will affect small business. So we found a place and we went to the city of Vancouver and basically we need to figure out if there was another F2 fire code in the building because if there was another F2, then that meant that there was a precedent set and we could be an F2. Right. The city made a clerical error and told us there was another F2. And by that time, before we knew it, we had spent about $30,000. Yeah, I was about to say, at this point, yeah. you probably, you've probably got yourself a lease and you have oh, all yeah. your gear and you're ready to go. And engineers and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So that just fell apart. And we were just, you know, we had meetings with the head of, of development services. And we had meetings with council and we wrote to the mayor. And, you know, like it was it was really upsetting because for them, it's a clerical error that they've made with a pencil during the day. For us, it's, you Money. know, it, it's our future, you yeah. know. That's when the public sector and the private sector meet, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a very, it's a very 
difficult space. And I, you know, I talk about this a lot too when, when it talks about politics in, in terms of everyone is so fixated on the federal government, who's our prime minister, who's mm-hmm. out there. But you know, the level of government you're going to deal with on a regular basis and most often is your district or totally. your local government, your municipal government. That's where I think they don't realize sometimes what they're up to. Big time, big time. So that happened in the city of Vancouver. And then we were like, well, what are we going to do? And my friend Andrea Graham, who runs Base Coast Festival, she was like, well, what about Squamish? And this is like eight years ago. And I was like, that town that you drive through <laughs> to go party in the bush or that town that you well, drive? <laughs> eight years ago, it was changing then. <laughs> totally, totally. I just, I'd, been, I'd spent tons of time up here, but I really had never, you know, up in the Squamish Valley and, mm-hmm. and had never really spent any time in the town. I mean, I've been down on Cleveland once or twice, but, you know, I was that classic city person who's like, oh, the McDonald's and the Tim Hortons and, right. you know, I stop at the Canadian Tire, but I really didn't, you know, I really, other than my buddy's party, James Bondage, I'd never really spent any time okay. here, right? It was amazing because as soon as we decided to come and start looking here, the doors flew open. Dan McRae, who was the head of economic development for all intents and purposes, rolled out the red carpet, started talking about, you know, how we're a deep water port. Think about cruise ships. Think about waterfront. Think about, and he couldn't, he was falling over himself to get our business here. Like, could, it was just, right. yeah, it was unbelievably exciting. He is a great guy and he was a great guy and he was unbelievably helpful. What we had to deal with, of course, was we figured out that we needed something called an alternative solution. Okay. So we had to hire a code consultant company that came in and and said, oh yeah, even though the building codes say this is what it is, this is actually what it is. Well, district is different than the city. So is their zoning system a bit different than the city or is it very similar? It's all very similar, if not exactly the same. Okay, so yeah. they said, hey, come in, we need your business, but you still need an F2? We just knew at that point that provincially we were going to need an F2. But what we found out, and I can't figure out how we figured it out, but we basically figured out if we hired a code consultant, the code consultant would do an alternative solution. So the code consultant basically said, even though the business code says that right. it's actually not the flammability issues, it's you're actually not. The not time bomb you're not the ticking time bomb that it yeah. was seventy years ago. So yeah. don't worry about it, and we will sign our names to that. Right. Mm-hmm. We had an alternative solution drawn up, and then we were able to move forward. So we worked diligently with the building department and the fire department and the district and the province and the federal government. Wow. Like, well, like, yeah, because there's licensing at every level. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. the excise license with the feds, so we yeah. pay a huge amount of excise tax. There's licensing the manufacturer's license with the province, right. so that's all the provincial and then, regulations. And then alcohol is also licensed by the province, yeah, right? big so. time. So then you've got liquor inspectors, but then you've also got the LDB and BCL. Right. And you've got all of these different arms of the province and then you've got the district Mm -hmm. so as we were opening and as we went through different stages we were okay first we were allowed to manufacture but we weren't allowed to have a tasting room so we had to do a development proposal and put out that big sign that everybody gets a comment on and then we passed as like a zoning amendment to allow us to do a tasting room in the business park what I understood, like, uh, fast-forwarding a little bit here, because mm-hmm. when you were in front of the, the district, uh, when they were doing their whole rezoning uh, mm-hmm. meeting, you were talking about how your license needed you to have a tasting room. Though. Oh, totally. The, the, the business model would never, ever, ever work. Do but I mean? thought that was a requirement from the province, so then you had to get a special amendment from the district to get that requirement for the province? No. That's where I'm getting confused. No, okay. what it is is that the business model to just manufacture alcohol and then sell it is like you're being so heavily taxed that in order to make that happen, you would need to produce enormous quantities of alcohol and you would need to be able to distribute it 
really, really widely. So anyone setting out to open the kind of business that I have currently that tried to do it just on manufacturing, your business would not survive. Mm-hmm. Because your margins, even though you pay $45 for a bottle of my gin, I barely have to keep any of that. It's markup-based, it's tax-based, it's the, just the basic production of the product. Where things start to balance out is by having a tasting room, especially a lounge. Because if you have a tasting room, right. people come in and they buy bottles directly directly from you so they're not at your wholesale price so you're keeping a little bit more of that margin yeah and then you're serving you have the atmosphere right so that's the most important component to Mm -hmm. businesses like mine and you know geo and north yards and a-frame and backcountry and all of us in the business park is that the the lounge component where people come in i mean it's the food is a requirement of the provincial government well that's because you're serving alcohol exactly so the food is a requirement but where most of us make our money backcountry how much money do you think they make pouring a pint and selling you a pint? You know, their margins on that are significant. When I make you a cocktail and I sell you a cocktail, I make way more money than I, when I sell you a bottle of gin. Well, but like you any other bar would, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy my gin. <laughs> <laughs> you should buy all of it. So what that means is that you need, like the way my business has evolved into three different arms, you really need the lounge aspect and the tasting room aspect and the bo- like the bottle sales aspect because the bottle sales out in the world bring people to your tasting room. Right. So it's multifaceted. All of those elements are crucial to the operation and to the success and growth of the business. And success to you because in five years you do have these three arms and you have been, I, w- I would say, plugging away and you've been doing, yeah. doing well for yourself. Yeah. I'm not going to say you're, you're, you're like, you're not. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not yeah. a billionaire. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not like, so it's, it's, still, it's still working out well for you. And it started with the district saying, hey, come on in. Well, the district at the beginning said, hey, come on in and right. they were unbelievably excited our lamp and our tasting room is from Patty Heinzman and you know like the, we we had a lot of support from the district and we so we had to change the zoning twice in order to get to where we're going and there was a time where there was a lot of support and a lot of excitement that opened the doors to other businesses of our similar ilk to open I don't know if the counterpart craft right? what's that the craft, craft the craft, craft breweries the craft cideries yeah. you know counterpart coffee I don't necessarily know if they would be able to operate the way they're operating if it weren't for these zoning amendments that we mm-hmm. had done so there's this whole community and whole culture that has evolved out of us being there and it was interesting like when people didn't think I was a troublemaker <laughs> I got invited to sit on all of these boards and this and that and and I didn't really fit in because I like to actually accomplish things you know okay. Some, like I'm a real I'm a real problem you know because I would be like well what are we doing like are we, I'd I'm rather just, be sleeping let's go through the agenda people right let's like go. Cha, cha, like yeah. on delay on delay you yeah, know exactly. I read this thing once and it was like a, a mem or a meme is it a meme or a mem I think I say meme yeah I say meme and someone like a computer guy said mem and I was like yeah, whatever. So yes, I, GIF, same I, thing. I, yeah so I saw this meme once and it was like when I die, I want my fellow committee members to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> <laughs> Committees are always fun, but that's why you created your own. Now you're the president of the Craft Brewery Association yeah, here Craft in Craft Beverage Association. Craft, sorry, because yep. you're not taking, sorry, because yep. you're sorry. Yep. My mistake. Yeah. Craft Beverage. Beverage. Association. I'll get it. So we we established the Squamish Craft Beverage Association, I think it was two years ago. And that was based on advice from Kate 
Mulligan, who is the current head of economic development. And I think I got a little jostling from like Patty and Susan at the time that it was a really good idea to organize. Well, I mean, there's there's so many of you now, right? Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like you have a BIA, so you have all these other groups as a sort of representing each other. Why not yourselves? I mean, if you have a healthy craft brewery type industry in your vicinity, you know, you're doing well, you're affluent. Yeah. And so it's one of those things you need to protect that, I think, anyway, because if if it's a clear marker about where Squamish is going, you would have to sort of organize and make sure that you're well represented. You're well represented. And I think there was sort of foresight to see if there was any kind of challenge that ever happened, that it would be difficult to fight that kind of thing as one business. You know, if you were trying to achieve things or if you're trying to deal with some choices that the district is making that you really don't agree with, that it would make sense to be able to have conversations when when you're a group of businesses as opposed to just... Well, you're one louder voice instead of a few quiet voices. Yeah. And you represent a community and you represent hundreds of people as opposed to just however many people you employ. Yeah. So that was that was formed. I think we formed about two years ago. And we've done events and we've like there's been a lot of opportunity for people to support each other and just the camaraderie of working together in that capacity has been really incredible. Um, one of the biggest things that we've accomplished was working with Heather and Leslie from Tourism Squamish and the reason for this is that I went and talked to them about the ale trail and they said, Well you should be on the ale trail and unfortunately on the ale trail you have to only make beer. And I was like, well, that's that's silly. Then we should do the <laughs> Squamish craft tasting trail. We should do the craft tasting trail. So we did. Mm-hmm. We basically created this little passport. You can go, you can pick it up at Tourism Squamish at the Adventure Center or at any business that has a bricks and mortar location. And all of the members of the Squamish Craft Beverage Association are on the map. And if they don't have a bricks and mortar location, they have locations where it can be found right so and then jeff from a frame and nicole from backcountry and i uh, made a little video an introductional video it's pretty funny because i wore my helmet all the time like it's just so dorky and fun but it's good i'm sorry what kind of helmet though just like a biking helmet okay because what we were doing is we were talking <laughs> my roller derby helmet <laughs> depends on the helmet you're wearing Really my does. hockey helmet. No. Um, so the, the entire video was about stop by the Adventure Center. Stop by the Adventure Center, pick up your passport, and you can bike around right. to all the different businesses, right? So it was this whole like safety first idea. So that has been really incredible, actually, because we have incredible people coming through the door, especially rainy days in Squamish when people aren't out hiking and biking and doing everything else. I think we get a lot busier. And then just this Saturday, oh, I think you were going to bring me the article. You forgot it. Uh, but Stuart Durden from the, I hope I said that right, Stuart Durden, Durden, Stuart from the province did a massive article about our Craft Beverage Association and the Craft Trail and the idea of coming to visit it during the Squamish Constellation Festival next weekend. Mm-hmm. And like this huge spread, tons of pictures, and we've like, we've had tons of people come and visit and call and be interested ever since it came out last Saturday. Like people are stoked. Well, it, it is a very adventure-centric town and so, I mean, to incorporate that into, into the identity of Squamish is great. But see, now, now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty because it's mm. a good thing you guys sort of got together and created your your association because now you're facing some issues with the district all of a sudden yeah. uh there's other industry they need to sort of cater to you are in an industrial park yeah. talking about rezoning yeah. you created a, a bustling community yeah. and so to change sort of back to an industrial park land mm-hmm. seems a bit counterintuitive it's it's counterintuitive and it's not it's not forward thinking 
you know, you, I was at Science World with my kid the other day and I was looking at like the, the sign on the side of Science World and it talked about how that whole area was once heavy industry, you know, Function Junction was heavy industry. You know, there's a lot of areas that were once industrial areas. The business park was called the industrial park. There's been a flow happening. There's been a shift happening. I remember when I was six months pregnant with my kid, I got invited to this this meeting with, you know, Cardinal Concrete and some kind of airline guy and like um, carnies. And they were talking back then. I mean, this is four years ago about the business park and how we see the future of the business park. And I was all about the importance of light industrial, you know, not... We're not a heavy industry town mm-hmm. anymore. Well, I mean, th- this is where I think the district would disagree with you. There are some industry here that they would like to stay here or they would like to grow, and they are industrial. It's just there. there's no place for them to go. Because of the way things have been developed, right now rent is at a premium mm-hmm. There's because there's no space mm-hmm. anywhere in Squamish. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. So if we need these companies here, I mean, who's going to fix our electric cars? Who's going to fix that? Who's going to fix, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I see the need for... For it, mm-hmm. you know, you still need some industrial. Sure. Comes down to lack of space. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the main arguments you brought up at the district meeting is that if you ever want to expand, mm-hmm. you'll have nowhere to go to grow. Mm-hmm. Right. But then that's the general issue all over Squamish yeah, is sure. where to grow. But you have to recognize that some of the businesses are already here and they've already invested. They're already operating and they're all, they, they've already done so much to help grow the town. And I, I have to argue with you about that, though, mm-hmm. because there are spaces available. There are spaces available that are zoned appropriately for these car mechanics that they keep talking about. And I'd like to point out that that evidence about that is anecdotal. There was no data. There were no studies done. This was, oh, we think this is happening. We noticed this is happening. But there was never any actual data that was developed before this knee-jerk reaction happened. Right. So that, that to those of us who've invested hundreds of thousands and between us millions of dollars right. in our businesses is problematic. Mm-hmm. To your point about needing people to fix our electric cars, I get that. And there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to fix electric cars in the currently operating business park. But to not support businesses that currently exist and allow other businesses to enter that are also growing and flourishing, I think that's really short-sighted. So the other thing I have to say about that is that I have also heard them say that our presence in the business park, not the industrial park, our presence in the business park is driving up rents. Mm -hmm. I don't totally believe that. Again, it's it's a whole supply demand, and certain industry will always drive us certain price up. For example, mm-hmm. you'll always pay a premium uh, doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. especially if you're serving. You have restaurants, you're mm-hmm. serving food. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of a, there's a there's a premium there. I think mm-hmm. in terms of rent, but I think that premium comes from overall rental rates and doesn't necessarily come from businesses currently operating. Our rent is actually I think it's totally worth what we pay. You mm-hmm. know, but it's also because we came here and and started renting it seven years ago right you know seven years ago there were certain rents that were locked in and we evolved from there you know so to a certain degree i don't think that we are we are driving up the cost of rent i think it's a i think it's a british columbia problem and especially a british columbia problem that's in the vicinity of vancouver 
which we all know why that skyrocketed. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I'm with you. I have I have my own <laughs> local business here, so I, I understand the, the plight you're going through. Yeah. I just I'm trying to trying to find it from the district's perspective because I, I sat down, I talked to a, a couple of counselors about the issue, and they really think they really have a, a firm belief that there is an industry here that needs to be protected, mm-hmm. and they need to have the space. And they're also saying that this is a temporary measure; it's nothing permanent. It's sure. And they need to be protected, but why are you focusing on protecting one industry and you're hurting another industry? I mean, that's, I understand their perspective to a certain degree. Well, then you have a lack of space and you need diversity. Sure, but why hurt one industry that's growing and in business and supporting you and giving employment, so on and so forth? Why are you trying to protect a business that doesn't currently even operate? Well, this, this is where they would disagree because I had that same argument and they were saying there is business here that needs the space and mm-hmm. they are here and they want to stay here. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the, the Did they tell you go. where they were? Because they didn't tell us who they were. And I frankly don't believe, I believe it's anecdotal information. Right. It's not like this company wanted to move here on this date and they couldn't because of X, Y, Z. There's no actual data. And anytime you make a massive decision that affects the the future growth and business of businesses that currently exist, I think it was really irresponsible Mm -hmm. to not actually have actual information to back that up but i do agree that we need a diversity in market i sure. do believe that we have we need different variety of industries i mean we cannot survive on, on the on just the, the the craft industry alone no uh, not at all that, but at the same time there are spaces available if you drive around the business park right now there are bays available there are spaces available where all of these so-called car mechanics could move into but they don't, and they haven't. Well, let's talk about exactly. So, if someone's not familiar what the rezoning is, currently everything was zoned which way? Currently, everything was zoned light industrial. Right, and and so now they want to switch it over to uh, more of a, a heavy industrial. Well, that's not totally clear, as they don't know exactly what they want to do. What they're calling it is they're calling it true light industrial. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, those of us who own craft beverage producing businesses are true light industrial. We could not exist anywhere else because that is actually the zoning that's required for our businesses. So then how does the zoning affect you then? Like, let's just get into the nitty gritty details. Right. Like, specifically, how does, if they rezone it the way they have, how does it affect you? There's a, like, there's a, there's, a, there's a number of layers of how this could affect, affect us. One thing, right now they've put basically a moratorium on any businesses like gyms and craft beverage manufacturers for a year. They've paused, they, they just paused. Well, that pause for a year could affect anyone who's seeking investment. If we were in a in a position which we are currently seeking investors, if I have to have that conversation with an investor, that might make an investor nervous. Mm-hmm. That you know, because they don't know the way that's going to go, right? In terms of you need investors to grow, and you have no room to grow. Or? No, no, we just need we just need investors to grow. It's not a physical space currently. It's not a physical space issue. It's actually just a capital issue. Okay, but. For the district to put a, a stop to any new development, it, when stuff is being stopped and haltered and affected, people with money looking at a business, that makes people a little bit nervous. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is this whole food service aspect, because to this point, we haven't really had, we don't, we don't have a commercial kitchen. We would never actually look to have a commercial kitchen, but we do need to provide uh, one liquor inspector said it was hot and cold food. Another liquor inspector said it was just cold food. So we're just dealing with that. But we do have to be able to provide food to our customers yeah. legally under yes. the province. 
you don't really want to just throw a bag of chips at somebody. You know what I mean? Like you want to serve someone something that they're going to enjoy. And frankly, as far as the growth of my business is concerned, we're really busy between 5 and 7.30 and then 9.30, 10, we're busy again. But between those two times, we're a ghost town because mm-hmm. everybody's going to get something to eat. Right. So in order for me to grow and develop and be successful... I need to maximize that amount of time. So I need to invest a little bit more energy into maximizing my food offerings. I, I understand that. I, I'm just trying to tie in the rezoning. And, so the rezoning has to do with not allowing restaurants. Okay. Right? But if it's already on your property and your grandfathered in... They, they, they will probably not allow the restaurant aspect. Okay, because you would have to apply to the district to add that component to Yeah, totally. Okay. And also any kind of build out within my space might be more difficult. Oh, if you're looking for a patio or something patio like that? Patio or right. maybe anything structural or anything, you know, even inside. Like I had a very off the record conversation with someone and they basically said they're trying to control assembly in the business park. They're trying to control mm-hmm. and now they're denying it. But I had a conversation with someone that said they're basically trying to control large groups of people moving through the business park because they don't want that because they want it for heavy industry Mm -hmm. it's like well you already you already have that that's already existent so i was kind of led to believe that perhaps it would be difficult to to make any of the kind of adjustments that i wanted to make within my business because of these reasons it you know marcus it just makes all of us a little nervous I'm playing devil's advocate here yeah. because I mean if I ever if I ever wanted to grow as well I mean uh, and weren't you interested like, in growing? I am yeah. um, not now. Yeah, uh, a couple of years from now. So yeah. I mean, like I said, the, hopefully this measure is temporary. Yeah, uh, because it has become a hub. Yeah, right? you mean you have the the Aikido guys there. You have yeah. the climbing gym there. Yeah. You have the ninja gym mm-hmm. there. You have everyone there. Yeah, I was told that that space though has remained the same in terms of rezoning anyway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. Um, so it was one of those things where I, if I want to think of growth, I mean, that would be the best place because, mm-hmm. I mean, they're always talking about densifying downtown. Mm-hmm. But then when you have BC assessment in there in terms of taxes and the mm-hmm. amount of rent for oh, yeah. the buildings that are there, it's, yeah. it's not really viable to go no. downtown. So no. this is where I think it's rock and hard place for the district, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Until those, until downtown is developed, they have industry that needs needs and they're trying to find a balance. Right. So, But the thing is, is to target businesses that actually legally need to be in the light industrial area, I think is is a mistake we can't be anywhere else so if you want to encourage the the craft beverage scene and the culture and everything else that we're developing you can't put a stop to that because that's the only place that we can go mm-hmm. you know i just the reference to true light industrial it's like well <laughs> we are you can't put a brewery right by squishies you know <laughs> like it's just not it's not going to happen and you know the whole thing about downtown is like they've been trying to invigorate downtown ever mm-hmm. and, and it hasn't happened you know it just it hasn't happened like nothing has grown not, b- barely any new businesses have opened like it just and I don't know the reason for that it, it could be rents it could be whatever else I mean I would love to go downtown and walk down Cleveland at 10 o'clock at night and have it be full of restaurants and people b- and frivolity well, and aim, fun right? and it's the aim but why hasn't it happened let's have wh- the business park instead they want you to move downtown well exactly but we <laughs> we, can, we can't, can't move downtown, we exactly. can't move downtown so yeah. do, you, do, you, do you like that can you understand the frustration there it's like, I can understand your frustration I'm just I'm saying in terms of growth I mean it, again it, it's a temporary measure it's only for a year is what I've understood you're already operating so are you really being stymied within the year we will see I think the biggest thing your trust is shaken 
mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's the biggest aspect is we don't know how it's going to roll out. I haven't put in a building application for building things that I'm going to be doing, but I'm, I'm nervous, mm-hmm. you know, like coming from seven years ago where the red carpet was rolled out and it's welcome. We can't do enough to have you here. Thank you so much for bringing your business here. Mm-hmm. We're going to change the zoning twice and then like on a record, you know, it doesn't engender trust and building a relationship. And especially since it's not really founded on anything actual, right. you know, and I think that's the, I think that's the that's biggest the issue. Right that's there. the crux of it yeah. is we don't know how it's going to roll out, but we just feel kind of like, Hey guys, screw you. You know, like we've mm-hmm. come here and we've invested a lot and we've put a lot of work in and this sucks. And there's also another line in there, the uh, whole rezoning, the zero to cannabis. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Um, and, you should and, interview Susan Chappelle. She's not stoked. Oh, I got to sit down. I gotta, you know, I've talked to Chappelle plenty about it. Yeah. And I've talked to also Brian Reiser plenty about it. Um, it's, it's funny how, you know, the district is the first municipal government to support distribution of yes. cannabis through Brian Reiser and, mm-hmm. and 99 North. Uh, but yet in terms of getting licensing to, to actually produce and grow, it's been kind of stymied, I think, more at the provincial level than at the district level. Yeah. I, I'm sure the district would love to have it. Yeah. Why specifically, do you did you maybe get a glimpse of why specifically cannabis? Because I know, sort of understand where you want to grow your business yep. and start doing some cannabis-infused Sure, totally, totally. And so... Did they give you clarification on what specifically they're talking about? But cannabis production, cannabis. They well, as far as the use of cannabis and produce, like and, and speaking of uh, of that, we wouldn't be able to do an alcohol and cannabis drink in October because that part of the legislation isn't rolling out. But as far as doing a non-alcoholic beverage, we should be able to do that come October. They said that there should be any issue with actual production of product. Mm-hmm. They just don't want people growing it seems to be the issue. And I think what I've understood is that, I mean, this is a green issue. We're talking climate change. If you can't, if you can't produce local beverages and if you can't produce local cannabis and you're bringing it in from other areas, that's carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. We should be looking at local food, local weed, local booze, local drinks. We should be looking at localizing as much as possible if we're really taking this climate change stuff seriously. And also, when it comes to the rest of the world, like, and you look at the advent of cannabis use and you look at the growth of the industry, like having your local bud, same way with your local gin and your local beer. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that puts towns on the map, you know? Well, you can be on the bud trail as much as you're on the brewery trail exactly. or, the, or the craft beverage trail. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> People get stuck on that. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I just happen to do that. I mean, I'm even a cider guy, so oh, I don't even hilarious. know how that works. That's, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this is where I get a little bit confused. Is is, is these these limitations and, and and so forth in terms of the cannabis and and then sort of the rezoning. And again, I'm with you. Uh, I just can't get over the fact that we do need a bit of a diversification of market. I know I'm harping on that yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, um, and that's what they're saying too. Yeah. And that's that's the harping for sure. Yeah. And that's to- totally understand. That I, I get it. And I don't think we lack that. I am a business owner in the in business park and I bike around and I see everything. There are bays available. What would you have done? If you were in their shoes, what do you think would have been a better alternative? Because that's, that's what you do when you're on committees. You know, I would have probably looked at the businesses that actually needed to be in in light industrial zoning. I would have probably had more foresight. There are businesses that currently exist, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but there are businesses that currently exist in the business park that don't necessarily need to be there. Mm-hmm. Right? So there are... Well, let's say it, gyms. 
gyms. Okay, let's say it. Let's yeah. say gyms. Let's say gyms. Let's say gyms. Let's say I mean, activity and, centers. And here's the thing with, with, with gyms is they come back and they say, well, we need tall ceilings. We need this. We need that. But you can get that downtown. And you can get that in various areas that are being developed. So businesses are not true light industrial businesses. Mm. So to lump all of us who actually need to be in a light industrial area with businesses that don't, I think that was a really poor idea. So wouldn't you say then maybe that they're, you think you're being unfairly targeted when really they're going after you know others who shouldn't be light industrial because I, you for you to operate you need to have that license correct so i think the district would understand that it could be what the what the district doesn't understand is that first first of all i had conversations with counselors that said well why couldn't you be downtown and i said because we're an industrial business like yeah. you know so they didn't understand that to a certain degree the other aspect that they don't really understand the business model mm-hmm. so they're like oh these restaurants they're talking about you know backcountry and geo and and north yards all having restaurants but what they fail to understand is that food aspect right. is is mandated but it's also vital to their survival as yeah. far as their margins and their business i don't think a browns or a cactus club or a, or a milestone should come into the business park i think that's a terrible idea because they're also not light industrial but i think you have to respect the businesses that are true light industrial right. and that that's where they belong I think that any time a government makes a decision that is founded in a lack of data that could severely impact your livelihood, I think that's a personal issue. Okay. I'm, I'm just, you know. <laughs> Okay, so let's say, just, let's you, say the district came Because you're just, you're getting example. really intense with me right now, so I just want to like, I know, right, but right. It's, tr- it's, an, it's, an, it's, an, it's an intense issue. It is, it it's is. an intense issue, and I'm an intense person. Mm-hmm. So, but let's say the district came and said, okay, in this particular area of Squamish, you can't have any art supplies. Okay. We're going to stop any art supplies. You can have your art supplies, but we're actually going to figure out if you can ever have art supplies in this area. Wouldn't that make you a little nervous? If they're being that specific, yes. Right? Like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And can, can, do you understand that? I understand that. But they're not saying art supplies and being exactly specific on art supplies because you are industrial. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of where you guys are situated and how you're situated, it doesn't tend to affect you unless you want to grow. But then if you grow, you can apply as being true industrial anyway. I'm just saying it's the other businesses that are not labeled industrial but, would have but, more but, of an but issue. The aspect of how we would grow. Mm-hmm. It was. It's the aspect of how we grow because we don't know how this is going to roll out. We don't know if, let's say, A-Frame, God forbid, had a fire. Would they be able to rebuild somewhere else in the business park? So let's say I had a flood and I, I, I couldn't operate my business in my current area. It's not entirely certain if I can move into another area within the business park. That's a concern. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, they have concerns about the restaurant aspect. Well, for me to grow my business, I'd have to put in a small kitchen. That's a reality. And and the the, the deal with business is you don't kind of get into business and stay put and stay stuck and go. Oh well, I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm just going to move to this. Like it's it. I I sell hundred thousand dollars a year, but it's like it's like I want to grow. Yeah. Like human nature is growth. Yeah. What's your baby? Yeah, it is. It is. In order to succeed in business, you constantly have to have your your eyes on what's next. Yeah, you have to evolve. You got to keep. You can't stay where you're at. You well, still, you because you'll go innovate or die. You'll go yeah. out of business. You know, oh, people exactly. are like, "I drink the same gin all over. I'm not going to buy that gin next time." So that's why you have to constantly keep coming up with new things and new ideas and 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 new ways to to turn a profit. And you have to look five years into the future and you have to go, "Okay, well, what what are the trends? What's going to happen? Where do I need to be?" You know. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from, and because it's just 
just I think when you look at it from the other side of the coin, it's just they're such a rock and hard place. I, I, I always joke that they should go like, you know, those BC rail lands that mm-hmm. are just vacant mm-hmm. and, and that, that the fact that BC rail is playing hardball with that territory. Mm-hmm. So just go around them, go to the province and force the province to tell them to sell it if they're not using it sort of thing. Big but, time, that thing just sits there, right? But I mean, that's, that's years and years and years down yeah, the road. What do you do sure. in the interim, right? For so, sure. And you know, I don't envy them. I don't envy them, but I, I, you can I get mad at them. I'm a little mad right now, for yeah. sure, because I just think it was, I think it was all poorly handled. But this is not the only rezoning issue. I keep seeing these these um, these emails about surveys about rezoning. Is mm-hmm. this is not the only rezoning issue that's popping up? I think they're trying to deal with a, a quickly growing population. Uh, how do we handle the future, and, and what do we do? And a bit of an identity crisis. And I once thought that going into politics would be a great idea, but man, like. I wouldn't want to be dealing with this right now. <laughs> Do you think it would shake the nerves of, say, a future businesses coming here? Will this also affect how other businesses want to come to Squamish? That's a really good question. Would they be privy to that? Would they be? Would they know that that was the case? I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that they would. And you don't think that something's going to affect you? You know, it's like if it's not affecting, like we never thought that this kind of thing would happen, right? So you're like, great, green lights, awesome. You know, someone that's going to open a restaurant on Cleveland, they don't know if something's going to change. You know, like it's it's hard to say. I think that's one of the biggest things about being in business is preempting these things, you know. Well, you, see, you need certain constants. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think it's the, the fact that that consistency has been rattled a little bit that's kind of, that makes you feel a little shaky. With the rezoning, creating new businesses to enter within your businesses. So yeah. does that change the vibe a little bit? Oh, totally. There are already industrial businesses in the business park, you know, and to have more industrial businesses in the business park wouldn't be a terrible thing, you know. It's kind of nice to have it that, like, have a little bit of that ruggedness. And then that would provide opportunity for other, you know, for other industries to exist, so on and so forth. I mean, you drive around there and there's skidoo places and motorcycle places and car detailers and there's all kinds of things. What was happening that was really nice was that there was a certain culture growing. Mm-hmm. There were families on bicycles. There were active livers. There were people walking places. You know, the people, the person that works at Triton could go over and get like a a pizza for lunch or there started to be services that people could use. Grab a coffee, grab a baguette for lunch at Tall Tree. People could get crystal, like people, people could start to exist and actively walk and live and eat and drink in their area where they worked and you had a proximity to Dentville and North Yards that was really nice and vibrant. There's a reason that the province just did a massive spread on the culture. So on the one hand, it was really exciting and fun and and people were loving it, like crews of people on their bikes having a good time. And so I think if you if you stymie the industry as a whole, I think that's problematic. But to have more car mechanics and that kind of thing, I don't think if it turns into an auto mall, I think we have a problem. And then we come back down to that diversity question but we, everyone needs to be happy and you need different things for growing community because you, you said so yourself this community is growing but again a sign of affluence is is the craft industry yeah, so I, I think this is where we get stuck in this loop again if we yeah. go back and circle because yeah. and this is where we don't envy the, the district people in that sort of <laughs> issue this conundrum on how to go about it someone's gonna be mad somewhere I guess somebody's gonna be mad and it just happens to be you guys right now yeah yeah it is us right now is there anything else you want to add before you wrap this up or I think there's a lot of good things to talk about. I think there's, I think it's a beautiful town. I think there's incredible things happening in this town. And I think we're really lucky to live here. And I'm really hoping that this is just a, just a, a blip, a blip, 
I'm hoping this is a blip and that we can that we can all move through it for the for the best of everybody you know I hope the car mechanics get to open their shops and I hope electric cars get fixed and I hope our culture that we've worked so hard to develop can grow yeah, and I think everyone's aiming for that too. I don't think there's an us versus them sort of think everyone, you know, I've, I've talked to those guys on council extensively and mm-hmm. they're not out to get anyone. They just want everyone to succeed. And I think they want the benefit for everyone in Squamish. Yeah. And it's just with the way the province is going, the way properties are going and the yeah. way prices are and the lack of space that we have here, yeah. uh, everyone's trying to do the best they can. I get I get that. I get that, but it's still choked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I, I also question like how many members of council have been or are current business owners i i know for sure one right and how many members are there on council including the mayor well there's seven seven um what's that percentage (laughs) well i've been broadcasting i didn't do math (laughs) (laughs) but one out of seven is a business owner. Yeah, it's just one vote. Right? Yeah. Uh, so so that's something to look at too, I think, is that, I mean, it, I think it's difficult for people to really get what it's like to own and operate your own business and what the big picture of that is. So, yeah. I guess you and I are running in, in a couple of years from now. <laughs> Uh, probably not. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today, Kelly. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, uh, actually, I'm having you at my house. So. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on.